You're listening to the Sensuality Project Podcast, where the messiness of real life gets sexy, hosted by Stacey Herrera. This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Episodes contain profane language and topics of a sexual nature that may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to another episode of the Sensuality Project Podcast. I am your host, Stacy Herrera. Thank you so much for joining me again. I am really, really excited about my conversation today because today I'm chatting with Myola Woods and she is a sexological body worker, a somatic sex, sex educator. Mostly she's amazing. <laughs> she's amazing. She does really beautiful, deep work around helping people to really connect and ground in their bodies and release trauma and and just unleash pleasure, basically. Like she's a, a pleasure unleasher. <laughs> I love everything that she stands for. This conversation was so juicy and she actually helped me to move through some stuff while we were um, actually on the call. So you'll get to witness that. I just really love speaking with people that are grounded and committed to helping everyone evolve as they evolve. And Myola is one of those people. She's just extraordinary. And she was referred to me by my dear friend, Caitlin Grace, because Caitlin knows good people. (laughs) So anyways, I think you're going to really, really enjoy this chat. It is expansive and insightful. And there's just so many great nuggets. I enjoyed I enjoyed being with the experience, but I also really enjoyed having an opportunity to listen to it from the perspective of a listener because I got a lot out of it the second time that I didn't get when I was participating. You know how it is. Anyways, it's amazing. She's amazing. You're going to love it. So I'm going to stop talking now so that you can listen up. All right. So first, I'm going to start off with a question. I'm going to give you three descriptors. And then you tell me what you think the thing is. Oh, okay. I'm terrible at these things. Do I have to get it right? I'm terrible at it too, so don't worry. (laughs) Just play. Yes. That's okay. I can play. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Look, I thought thought you'd get a kick out of this one. Okay. I'm covered with dense growth. I'm hot, moist, and dark inside. And, (laughs) And it's dangerous to be inside of me without protection. What am I? It's too, it's too, um, it's too obvious to be a vulva or a vagina or a yoni. It's too obvious. <laughs> That's where my mind goes immediately. <laughs> so maybe it's an ear or a um, somewhere else. That's, that's a totally, that's a, totally that's a good. That's a good guess, though. It's actually the jungle. Oh, it is the jungle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and why does I guess the question could be why does the jungle remind us of a vulva or a right? <laughs> yes, because it definitely there can definitely be dense growth, and it is dark and moist inside. <laughs> and and you know sometimes it is dangerous to be there with no protection. Uh, yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That was great. That was great. Okay, so thinking I'm thinking about your work. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking and I'm, and I'm thinking about like my own body experience at the same time. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm currently in the space of navigating and I don't know if I'm doing it successfully 
or not (laughs) is I am trying to navigate the space of needing without being needy. Uh Uh-huh. So, so I'm sure as a woman and, and probably with the women that you've worked with, that this is a pretty familiar terrain. So where Mm -hmm. does, where does that tend to show up in the body? Is there like a place that it's, that it's, it's kind of common? I don't know. Normally I try, I try not to put, I mean, sometimes there are general things, but Mm -hmm. when I work with women, I kind of ask them, I find that we've, we've been told things our whole lives. And we've been told to that our bodies do this or they don't do this or they're no good or they're terrible. or And so I try to uh, give that back to people, give it back to, so where do you notice the neediness in your body? Mm-hmm. And so they build the skills to go into their body and listen and go, okay, well, I feel the neediness in my belly and in my, you know, or I feel in my, and it comes down to my womb and usually I ask some questions around, well, and, you know, I mean, I'm happy for you if you wish to do this as well. I could ask you, where do you feel your neediness in your body? Look, just <laughs> just you saying that, I felt the constriction. <laughs> yes. Like yes. I immediately felt the constriction. You know where it's been sitting, it's been sitting in, it's been sitting in my hips, particularly in my lower back. Now, fear, yes. fear normally shows up for me in my, my right flank, typically around my kidney. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is different. Mm-hmm. This feels really different. So, mm-hmm. so it started, I was having a, a, an emotional surge around a particular issue a couple mm-hmm. of days ago. And I felt mm-hmm. it like in my lower back really intensely. And so I did some womb meditation and some hip openers. And then I actually like went with um one of my friends is an EFT practitioner and so she walked me through some things and I released some and then mm-hmm. then there was like this vulva massage yesterday that released a lot because there was a lot of stored tension like in the in the left wall of my vulva well my vagina mm-hmm. um really mm-hmm. tight there and so mm-hmm. I released a lot in- incidentally today I woke up feeling intense like discomfort in my lower back and also mm. with inflammation <laughs> on mm. the left side of my vulva. So I know that it's that thing yeah. that is that I'm, I've really been inviting it to the surface. So I feel like it's on its way out. But I don't know. This is the first time I've ever had awareness or language around me trying to express needing and and feeling conflicted about this story about not wanting to come off as needy. I'm not saying I never felt it before. I just never had the <laughs> awareness or gave it language. So definitely in like you know I'm like yeah my I, emotion in the hip. So it makes sense to me that it's that it's there. And the fact that it's in my lower back just gives me a sense that it's about needing support and struggling to be expressive about the kind of support that I need. Yeah. Okay. So one of the parts I would look at is what is wrong with being needy? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, there's a story. There is definitely a story. I think I know, I know it's a childhood story of me feeling like I needed to be grossly independent and not Mm -hmm. needing to be coddled or cared for. And that I think came from me misinterpreting my mother's way of being affectionate. So mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's just been this story that I, you know, I have to, I can, I can take care of myself. And 
one of my favorite ways to language my suppression of neediness is by saying, I don't need you to manage my feelings. <laughs> it's bullshit though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's total bullshit. So, and one of the ways you might like to explore, and I mean, I, I resonate totally with the independent person and I grew up an only child and so yes, and a family didn't ask for help like so I totally resonate with you. But one of the th- places to play with might be how would my needy self show up? What would I look like? What would I be wearing? What would I be saying if I, if I was? And what, what does that, you know, embodying that totally, what, what would happen if I totally embodied 110% that needy part of me? I would be, well, I cry all the time anyway, but I would yeah. be definitely be, but it would be like sobbing. It wouldn't be like, um, it would, it would be almost me when I, when I even just you saying it, like I could see me in a heap, like literally on the floor. Like I could see me mm-hmm. just being uh, just in a heap, allowing myself to dense, I guess, like it would be dense and heavy. Cause I would need to be on the floor to, to feel it just because of the dense energy that's there. <laughs> And I, I would be wearing black, like almost like I'm mourning this thing. Like interesting though, because like, yes, in a 24 hour period, I literally went through all the stages of grief. Like I was mm-hmm. just like, I've done all of the grief. Like, you know, I am angry and in d- denial and anger. And, you know, I'm now bargaining. Like if I do, if I do this, I will give that, you know. And then, you know, then being depressed about it and then like, okay, I accept where I am. <laughs> oh my goodness. And that might be a heap on the floor in black. Yeah. Yeah. Just just to feel it, just to know that in your in your body, in your cells, in your instead of trying to, you know, keep it down or not acknowledging it or you know, it's Yes. And yeah, neediness is a, is a big issue, I think, particularly for women. I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We all, and you know, and then we have the conflicting, you know, what's the trendy word currently? Cognitive dissidence. Yes. Where yes. you know, we we obviously we're mammals and we're community beings, and we love touch and we love to be needed and be in a community. And then, you know, but the society tells us you need to be independent, you need mm-hmm. to be look after this, you need to do yourself, and you're okay if you're on your own and did it. So we have this these two conflicting parts of us that just, you know, it's possible to drive us crazy probably. Oh yeah. And 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 not be clear. Like we could be, you know, nearly like uh, you know, having two personalities. That's Today, exactly I'm- what it feels like. That's exactly what it feels like. Like, you know, um trying to be self contained. And then, and then, but then lying about being able to be interpersonal. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm you know, good at interpersonal as long as I'm independent and you're over there. Yep. That right? that's, uh, that's, really... that's so me. Look, you just summed me up in one sentence. That is so me. Someone, someone just said to me, like, you know, you, you never act like you need anybody. You never act like you need anybody. You know, like, People don't really know how to be with you because they don't even think that there's anything that they have to offer you. And I was like, really? Because I do need things. Look, how does anybody know that though? Like, <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Mm-hmm. So what's I suppose what's the part of you that likes that? Likes to think that nobody has anything for you? Oh, that's a great question. I would say, hmm, you know, immediately like the the first image I see myself in 
I think I must have been sixth grade based on the outfit that I'm wearing. And I could see myself like being like solo on the playground. And I was wearing this God awful, like beige corduroy, <laughs> like <laughs> pantsuit with a, it had like a vest, a long vest. And mm-hmm. yeah, like, but I see myself like being alone on the playground, which I usually would have like one, one friend that I was close to at any period. It was always just one friend. So I'm, she must've been absent that day. And I was, and I was by myself and it was just kind of like, you know, me being solo. So I don't know if the story is that, that I'm okay by myself, which I, I love my own company a great deal. And I'm not an only child. I'm a, I'm in the middle of a sister sandwich. Mm -hmm. So I do really well solo and enjoy and invite time apart from people. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've, I've never really mastered allowing people in my space, but in, and it's, and when I do, it's for limited time engagement, like Mm -hmm. don't like Mm -hmm. grow roots or try to move in and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I know for myself, um, I have four children Mm -hmm. and this year I had, we had some things go on and so I don't live with them. And, um, I, so it's the first time in 43 years I've lived by myself. Mm -hmm. So I had to, that took a little bit of adjusting to get to that, to get to, I mean, not that I'm not okay with my own company, but I went from a, you know, a big house of six people with lots of noise to there's me and me and me. Okay. How jarring was that? Was a little bit, was a little bit funny at first and a little bit, uh, what am I going to do with all this sort of time, I suppose? And. Oh, you know, I know what I did. I wrote a book and I've written and I've produced a whole bunch of programs and I've, you know, worked with. And then when I'm with them, I'm with them. There's nothing else. No, and it's hectic. You know, when they're here, it's just when we're together, it's hectic. But it was was a change in my in a, my sense of me. Who am I without that? Who am I yes. without my children and being the mother and being that? Who am I? I'm still that, of course. But what else is I have I got? And where are my relationships? And where are where am I with people? How does that how does that change in time and space? And you know, there are some things. You know, who looks after the spiders when when you're, you're all by yourself? Mm-hmm. Very important questions. And, Very, because that yeah. would be one of my first questions, really. And uh, and my you know, and I'm so lucky that my neighbour puts the garbage bin out for me. So I I have found a way to love it, and I have found a way to really appreciate my own space and time again and and then then appreciating and just being able to be with the hecticness and the craziness of when everyone is here at mm-hmm. one all together so changing that but I had to realize that this is the first time in you know over 40 years I've lived by myself lived without someone and you know one of the things I really noticed was things were there when I let when I if I had done the dishes, mm-hmm. so that ind- indicates that I don't always do the dishes, but if I'd done the dishes, they were done mm-hmm. and no one had been back to create, <laughs> you know, no one had left the breadboard, the sandwiches, the Nutella, the, you know, they hadn't been, I hadn't gone away and come back to, you know, it was exactly the way I left it. Mm-hmm. That was, I think that was part of the, there was a part of healing in that Yeah, as well, that things are, the way I left it and things are, there's no one coming to change it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting time. 
Oh, well, that, that, look, that segues into a great question about identity. Like what Mm -hmm. are the, what are the, the identities that you've been wearing that, that now, because I'm, I'm 44, so we're in the same space, but Mm -hmm. like, but I'm recognizing in me, the identities that I've been wearing, one of them has been this independent identity. So the Mm -hmm. identities that I've been wearing that, that have now begun to expire, have you recognized some of those? I mean, outside of that, like, have you recognized some of those in you that you're like, okay, this served for whatever, and now it just doesn't work anymore? I don't know about, I don't know about, I don't know, work anymore, but in the process of, you know, process of being by myself and bringing my book together, I've had different pieces of my life. So I've had, I've been an educator, I've been a straight educator, I've been a sex educator, I've done psychic development, spiritual development, so I've been people's uh, I don't necessarily want to use the word guru, but I've been that kind mm-hmm. of inspiration for people. And I do body work and massage, so I know people's bodies very well. So, and different people know me in different spaces, mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily know me as the same. Mm. And then, obviously, you know, they have have the school mums and the you know the school all of that parent mother part that comes out. And so, last you know, in that process. Being possibly being by myself, I brought. I feel like I brought all of me together. Mm. So I wasn't. I wasn't not. And I'm not the just the word just, but I wasn't just the mother, or just the educator, or just the psychic spiritual person, or the bodywork person. I kind of brought all of those together more holistically. That I now, when I speak to people, feel like I'm speaking from my wholeness and not. Mm. Uh, segregating to, well, how do you know me? How, what answer do I give you? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That is, that is so beautiful. I mean, I recognize, I recognize when I am connecting from my wholeness as opposed to my not enoughness, Mm. which, Mm. because I've done a lot of not enough connecting, like probably maybe 35 of the 44 years, (laughs) maybe more, maybe more. Now I definitely recognize when, when I'm embodying my wholeness and the difference in the caliber of relationship that I attract, you know, even in business and in, in the grocery store, you know, the level of, of relationship and the way that I relate is really different when I am standing and rooted in my wholeness, as opposed to when I am operating from the space of not enough or which I, I tend to operate more from the, from the perspective of someone else thinking I'm too much as opposed to not Mm -hmm. enough. So my muchness. So, so like, but being in the space, look, I'm, I'm feeling that for you, (laughs) that, that feeling like you are no longer fragmented. Yes. 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 And of course I didn't know I was fragmented when I was fragmented. Right. Because we don't, we, we, we don't know these things when we're doing them, but I notice the difference when I, you know, and my articulation of things is really different because it's like my brain has been brought together and all of like, it's like someone brought the puzzle together in my brain and in my body. So it's, yeah, it, it feels different. So Wow, that's expansive. Just, yeah. That is really, yeah. really expansive. So what is your, what is your biggest challenge living in your body? Like knowing what you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. knowing like all the work that you do for others and all the knowledge that you've acquired for, in practice mm-hmm. and in theory and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. what's the thing that's that you still like, even though, you know, what's what's one of the things that's still a challenge for you? I think it's, you know, for some things, 
I'm mostly okay. The things mm. that still gets me, that still is, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a big woman, and I talk about sex. So there is a lot of I feel lots of you know judgments that come towards me, mm. and lots of people will kind of look and go, mm, yeah, what's what is she doing? What is she saying? Why is she, you know, who, where did she get the right to do that? Where did that? And so I still, if there was one area that my physicalness still would. If there was a, if there was a, you know, a, a kink in the armor or an Achilles heel, that would be the first one that would pop up for me. And I'm mostly embodied, and I'm mostly, you know, I'm like everyone else in the sense of I need reminded that you know, following the pleasure is is joyful. Yeah. And if I'm in my head, orgasms don't work either. Like yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm a human being like everyone else in mm-hmm. the sense of if I'm trying to be orgasmic or trying to do something, you know, uh, as Yoda says, you know, do or don't do, don't try. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, so as, I, as know, a fellow I, big woman, I get it. I do. Yeah. Um, do. Do you have skinny, do you have a skinny past? I have, yeah, I have pictures of skinny. I have, you know, I have you know, thing, things, yeah. Um, I have four children, so I have a variety of levels of my body. Yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah, and well, I, yeah, I I only yeah. ask because I, I I don't have a skinny past at all. Like I was I I was my mother's largest baby, and I was chunky mm-hmm. as a child. And then I became uh, I I actually right now I my, I have one daughter. She's twenty two. I gained only eleven pounds during pregnancy, so I didn't like. But during while I was pregnant, my doctor I was sick the whole time. And my doctor was concerned that I was trying not to gain weight because I was already big. Uh, And so he threatened to, you know, put me on a diet plan. And I was like, I'm eating. I just, well, first of all, the only craving I had was salad. And I threw it up all the time. I threw it up all the time. So I wasn't trying not to gain weight. That wasn't, but that was what he thought was happening, which I thought like now that I'm like, that, that was so curious to me. Um, But currently at this age, I'm the exact same weight that I was. 22 years ago when I gave birth to my daughter. So I have gained yeah. some weight, not, but not a lot, but, um, I find it so useful that I don't have a skinny past because there's no used to be me that I'm always aspiring to be, which is mm-hmm. something I see a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. The stories in, in my head or in people's heads. And the you know, part for me is we just don't see diversity. We just, we have we from society the beliefs are little we have little pictures yep and this is this is how things look not only diversity in how people look in our um you know in bodies and it wasn't really until I got involved with the queer community that I started to see diversity you know even even in my own you know sexuality work I still stood out I still stand out but in the quick, in, so I didn't see, I didn't get exposure to lots of diversity until I started being in the queer community and feeling it more at home. So, mm-hmm. well, there's something um, so accepting. The like, if there was ever a community that really embodies what it means to to come as you are, it's the queer community. I mean, yes. when I mean, other like you know, we we have been conditioned like we've got these little pictures, and then we also have this this hetero monogamous norm, you know, dialogue that everyone keeps trying to fit and box themselves in. And and while at the same time saying everyone's welcome, (laughs) but it's not, 
we aren't living that truth, not at all. But but the, but the the queer community is very accepting of all the colors, all the shapes, all the sizes, you know, all the identities in terms of gender and sexuality. Like everything is truly welcome. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we see enough of that. And so when I'm looking for pictures, I often use myself because I, I mean, not necessarily because I want to, but. I haven't got any, and the ones that I find on the internet are mostly terrible, I find. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think that we could do with some more diversity and, you know, and sexiness is, you know, how I feel. Right. What what makes me so excited about working with people is, you know, I'm not a Tinkerbell, and I have learnt to have so much fun with my body, and I really love my body. Like, it's not – I – no, it may not look like a you know a magazine, but it's I have fun mm-hmm. and I really like it and I like its softness and I enjoy playing with it all the time mm-hmm. and that's something that I mean I've always enjoyed playing with it. I've got big boobs and I you know enjoy them as much as anyone else and I just I just find that we get stuck on we have to look a certain way before we can have pleasure before yep. we can have enjoyment before we can. Whereas I've actually, and I suppose the advantage of being bigger or for me is I've had to love that and I've had to go to things because I wanted to go and not let my the story or what I thought the story might be from other people hold me back mm-hmm. in life or in, you know, and I'm going to wear a dress and I'm going to probably wear a tight dress. And if you don't like it, then that's not my business. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, and you know, of of course, sex as a big woman is delicious. I mean, I imagine, I do not know, but I imagine it must be delicious as a not big woman too. I don't even want to say small woman, you know, but a not big woman, whatever that means. But like sex is one of my favorite parts of being a human. (laughs) I love, I love like the feeling and the sensation. I mean, amongst other things that, because it isn't even necessarily always intercourse. Like I've had extremely sexual experiences, you know, eating a fucking apple when I'm fully present Mm -hmm. for it. When I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, this is so juicy and I'm biting it and the juice is running down the side of my hand and the crunch and, you know, the texture, like all of those things are exactly the same (sighs) sensations that you bring into your sexual experience if you're in the room. Yes. If you're in the room. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it's not about the size of the body or the apple or it's about being here yep. and being present and being embodied in the body because that's where the sensations come from. That's where the pleasure comes from. That's where the moments come from. It's being being here now. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you how do you how do you feel about because one of the things where like the body and sexuality and spirituality, there is often a divide that we have created in separating the body from the spirit and, you know, making the body other when it comes to spirituality. And that, that is bizarre to me because I do not know another way to experience spirit without Mm. the body in this, in this human form. So what, what do you feel about like the, the sexual, sensual spirituality connection? Yeah, I have lots of thoughts. Um, <laughs> so my, my my background is spirituality and psychic development. 
And I always had an interest in, as a child, I always knew more than I was supposed to. And it got me in lots of trouble, really. And I was always interested in how sexual energy, I always was fascinated with Kundalini and, and sexual energy and how it was, how it looked and how it felt and what it did in the body and what happened when it was constricted or when it was expanded and why it constricted. And I have a, you know, a traumatic background. So I mostly, you know, I suppose my interest was for me in the beginning and then for others, you know, how does this work? And I do, uh, in the past, I've done, I still probably do, but not consciously, um, you know, sacred, sacred work with the land. So sacred healing, sacred openings, those sorts of things. And I would have orgasm. I didn't know this at the time. I just knew that they were, I was having full body orgasmic experiences with the earth, with God, with the cosmos, with the universe. And I would shake on the ground. Wow. Was, but I wasn't necessarily having that with a physical partner. And I realized there's a disconnect here. There's, I'm missing something, something's not quite right. If I can have these ecstatic experiences, uh, you know, with God, I, um, and not that, you know, they're obviously wonderful, but there was a point where I realized I'm a human being and I have a body. And here is where, here is where we change things in the body is how we change when we're bringing spiritual for me when we're bringing that spiritual matter into our bodies into our we're actually changing we're spiritualizing matter we're changing the physicalness we're changing the embodiment we're changing i mean for me that is why we're here as humans while we're here on the planet is to create heaven on earth Mm -hmm. so yeah so in my journey of, of that i realized that there was some something amiss so i then went on a physical, how was I going to be? And it was, you know, it was for me, it was a fear of intimacy with people and a fear of getting close and a fear of, you know, it's much easier, it's still much easier for me to be uh, connected with spirit than it is, you know, often with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have to remind myself that I am here and there is people and I need to, <laughs> I need to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And so I learned how to, you know, move through my own intimacy issues, my own connection issues, my own embodiment and really bring that into Yeah, I can I can still have orgasmic experiences with God and the universe, but now I get to have them physically with with people as well, mm-hmm. with humans, mm-hmm. with other humans. And, you know, have that soul to soul connection physically in a body and so yeah, so my total orgasmic experience as a human has totally shifted. Wow, that is that gave me soul pimples. <laughs> Like I, I definitely, I, I understand the, the challenge of connecting intimately and, and how, yeah, I, I get all of it. <laughs> like I feel that when I, when I am near the water, particularly, that's always been like a grounding thing for me is like being near the water. I don't even have to be in it. I could just be by it and, and mm-hmm. I could feel full, you know, and, and completely nourished in a way that I found challenging to be with other people. <sighs> yeah, like to be human, it's, it's, we're so complex and messy. I mean, and, and that's also one of the best parts of being human, but the discomfort, the discomfort is, is challenging. Someone earlier today had sent me something that said, and I'm probably going to mess up the quote really badly, but it was something like being aware, like how does it feel or, or if we can get to a place of recognizing that there can be balance outside of polarity. And, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I sat with it for a minute and, 
And then I was like, or we could not, (laughs) or we could not focus on it. And, you know, because I think like sometimes the whole idea of balance is enough to keep you on the hamster wheel of never really being, you know, trying to make things even out. And they, I have rarely had the experience of that. And so I just don't focus on that. I'm also a Libra. So, (laughs) but to just totally move away from balance, just totally move away from them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but you know, I mean, and you know, cause I was like, I don't know how much of the idea of balance is just that an idea as opposed to something that, and even when it happens, it seems very short lived, <laughs> you know, it's very transitional, yeah. very impermanent. I mean, just as everything is. Yes. Yes. And I think that enjoying the the seasons, everything yes. has a season, everything has a cycle. Mm. Uh, when I talk about pleasure, I talk about, we do some pleasure mapping with clients and, and I talk about, you know, it has a cycle. Mm-hmm. It's like a wave and it comes up and it goes down and it goes up and it comes down. You can't, you know, if you touch the same spot for 10 minutes doing the same thing, you are going to find a point where yeah. it goes from being totally awesome to being, uh, <laughs> yes, can we stop that now? Yeah. And the other way, you know, if sometimes we find some boring parts and if we stay with those, for yeah. a little while sometimes they become so it's a matter of following what is happening in the body rather than well and i i hear stories with women particularly uh with orgasms that well you know it was just nearly there and it was just nearly there and then it just disappeared I'm like, well because you can't just you have to kind of keep following it yeah and keep going with it you can, or helping it like one or the other you either need to go, go into it and kind of really have it or you need to kind of go with it what's the next move and what's what else is going to add to this it's not and being in your head having that conversation is tiring for one thing but also you're not in your body following you can't you leave the room yes 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 you know the the and but then and then the other thing that i found for myself and and with people i've had conversations with and with people i've actually witnessed is the minute we get in our head we stop Mm -hmm. breathing we yeah. stop breathing and now you're holding your breath. And now, of course, the orgasm has run away because yeah. you kicked it yeah. out. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 So you threw a bucket of water over it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you how did you decide to to how, how did you get into like somatics and 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 all of the things like how and sex work, sex, sex education, sex work is a different thing. Um, yeah, sex is different thing. Okay. Sex education. Uh, How did you decide yeah, sex to go education. there? Sex education. The two things, the two parts of my life that have always stuck has sort of been body work and education. And people would come and see me, and even though I mean, my short answer would be it just lights me up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. That would be my short answer. And so, but before I knew that, I just people would come and see me, and that would be around they'd come and see me about a shoulder or their toe, and somewhere in there. There would be intimacy issues, and and so I just thought there's more of this. There's more of this that needs to. And I didn't necessarily have the skills. I had some skills, and so I developed my own skills. And I developed. I've always really had an interest in pregnancy and women. And um, and when I first started to do you know, yoni mapping and work with the vulva internally, because you know my background is massage, so 
my teacher <laughs> said, you know, you don't even put your fingers inside somebody's toe, like inside the toes, in between the toes, because, you know, that's like touching their genitals. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> now he would probably be very, very afraid, very <laughs> Not only, you know, maybe I still, I don't know, I still maybe don't touch, put my fingers in people's toes, but, you know, now I do touch people's genitals. And there was a time when I thought, how do I not know the benefit of this and how do I tell people that massaging your shoulder is awesome and you probably got some emotions in your shoulder? How do I, how did I even believe, because I think I'm an educated person, I think I'm quite, you know, open to different ideas, how did I still not know that my pelvis was going, my pelvis, my pelvic floor, my genitals, my reproductive organs were going to store things like how did I not know that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was, you know, it was a part of me that I went through a little bit of grief around feeling let down by society that I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And that I had believed something that was untrue, was just that we have this thing about genitals and we just decide we don't touch them, we don't talk about them and let's not go there. Mm-hmm. And I suppose in my own journey, I realized that I, you know, was very helpful to work with, you know, women after they'd had scar tissue and my own scar tissue after giving birth and noticed the difference that it made. You know, there was a certain position that was a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I did some work around the scar tissue and then it wasn't uncomfortable. So, you know, I suppose as we go along, I use myself as a guinea pig mm-hmm. and, then, and, then, and then I take it out into the world and, and show people and talk to people and, and it doesn't – people often say to me, oh, you know, you, you are brave or you're courageous or I don't actually feel those things. Mm-hmm. It feels to me that something that comes from my soul or my uh, – I feel like I'm talking about everyday things. I don't necessarily – I know I'm not, like mm-hmm. I have that awareness, but it feels like it could be. It feels like there could be a space where this is a, a natural way to talk and a natural way to have a discussion with our – friends and our family and our colleagues that it's not so taboo and not so because we don't know right we don't, we don't know that someone else is going through the same thing as us because we don't talk about it yes you know I think that one of the things that that I didn't know when I when I gave birth I didn't have the relationship with my body that I have now I was 20 mm-hmm. almost 22 I didn't know anything <laughs> I didn't know anything and I re- I, rem- I don't remember anyone ever asking me if I wanted an episiotomy. No one asked, you know, Mm -hmm. now I know there could have been massage there and I would not have needed to have that. But Mm -hmm. now I also, I'm still grateful that there is still sensation there because it could have been severed. And consequently though, I have like they, when they stitched it, it kind of has a pucker. Yes. And one of the things that I recognized in with a partner that I, my feelings had changed for this person And whenever I would be sexual with that particular person, that part of my vulva would, would Mm. rip Mm. and like, and, and it never happened with anyone else, but Mm. it would always tear and it would be really uncomfortable. And consequently, when I would get ready to be, there was resentment, which is what was creating that. But when I would get ready to be sexual, I would, everything would tighten including, yes. <laughs> including that part, which was creating yes. the tension yes. that caused the rip. But yes. if someone had yes. told me, <laughs> you know, before, if someone had told me for one, like episiotomies don't, aren't necessary. If you do some 
if you massage mm-hmm. the area, if someone had said that, or if someone had even asked me, like, no, what they didn't even ask. Mm-hmm. It was just like they had a razor, sh- th- but there was no question. And mm-hmm. had, but had I not had that experience, I may not have, I may not have ever connected the dots in that relationship. Wow. There you go. Thankful to the episiotomy. Right? Yes. Yes. And our emotions in our vulva are so, it is like, like a, heightened it knows things before the rest of us everything and if we if we listen if we listen if we're holding back somewhere in our intimate life in our lives our vulvas our yonis they know they they are like beacons if we like lighthouses if we listen absolutely absolutely yeah you know i'm I'm always saying like my pussy knows everything before i do someone asks me something if they happen to identify as a woman then i'll say what does your pussy say Cause you don't even need to know what I think. What is no. what is your pussy think? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yes. It's it's very responsive. You know, another thing that that now I didn't happen to me before, probably in the last two years. But when when I witness, even if it's in a in a movie, if I witness witness something that is emotionally or f- very physically painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is where I register the pain first. Ah, okay. That is exactly like I'll feel it there first. That, and I, I didn't have that until a couple of years ago. The more intimate that mm-hmm. I've become, because I was essentially numbed out before that, just mm-hmm. not, I didn't tune in or anything. I did not recognize that there was energy there or, mm-hmm. you know, and I've always been orgasmic, but mm-hmm. not present for the orgasms. Yes. Yes. They yes. were they were happening yes. but I wasn't there. It was just yes. they just it was almost automatic. I was not ever in the room. And so but in the last several years, the more of my own healing work I've done and the more I've connected and grounded in that with with and connected with myself in that way, everything mm. shows up there first. Mm. What good noticing. What good work. Beautiful. It's not always emotionally uh pain-free to notice. <laughs> No, 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 no. And it's not always, it doesn't, I have, you know, it doesn't always look pretty to go through those emotional, Absolutely. but there is also, there is always a beauty in there. There's yes. always, there's always a, an essence of beauty in there. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the lotus blossom effect, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's murky yeah. and dank and it's probably smelly as hell. <laughs> We're back to the jungle again, aren't we? Right? Look, everything, <laughs> everything's in the jungle. You know, I'm like, I'm like picturing like moss growing on trees and, you know, like a, a whole like floor of all kinds of stuff. Cause there's, there's nothing neat about nature. You know, we've, but we've constructed this idea that everything is supposed to be neat. You know, we see people garden in rows and we think that nature looks like that. Nature does not ever look like that. It's, it's not concerning itself with staying on its side. You know, if there's an, an ivy or a vine, it's not saying like, I don't, I can't grow on the side of this tree or I can't in completely engulf this tree because it will, if that's mm-hmm. what it wants to do and the tree will allow, Yes, the tree will allow it. And so we're really, I'm still getting comfortable with allowing and receiving and one of the words for me, one of the feelings that I intend to embody this year is soft. And yes. a few years ago, you could not have paid me to say that shit. Like, Gosh. I don't want to be soft. What are you talking about? 
but but now I don't I want to be able to be soft and I want to feel safe enough to yes. soften. Yes. Yes. And that the safety is a big key. Yes. It's when when the body is safe and different bodies like different safeties and but once the we, are, we can turn our nervous systems off and we can stop being in fight and flight and we can be in our bodies and we can create safety and I work with pleasure now mostly like I don't and but when I've noticed notice with myself or notice with clients when there is safety the body opens itself mm-hmm. the body knows what it knows and it knows it's safe enough to let go of remove. Uh, change, transmute, have a shamanic experience, whatever it needs, mm-hmm. but it knows. And when it comes from the inside out, it transforms not for a day or not for a week but forever. Mm. That that metamorphosis has happened instead of, and I'm, I love my catharticness, I love being able to do cathartic work, but that forcefulness and that I'm pushing through and I am kind of going to continue and I'm going to keep going. That's the that doesn't create safety in the body. No, and not a, not even a little bit. No, there. You know, uh, last year I think it was last year. Last year, my theme for the year was surrender, and I remember having a conversation with one of my girlfriends, and she carries a lot of masculine energy. And when I said that, she was like, "No," she was like, <laughs> "No, I'm I'm not here for that surrender." She was like, "That that feels helpless and." And I said, that doesn't feel like that to me. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, when we don't, when we don't allow, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when we are in water and Mm -hmm. every human is capable of floating and Mm -hmm. to go from sinking to floating, Mm -hmm. it, you do not change your physical body weight. All you Mm -hmm. have to do is shift your mind to become Mm -hmm. buoyant. You, Mm -hmm. but you have to surrender or you will not float. So yeah. that that has been but that's been a journey for me and I think that it's a journey for a lot of people when we for whatever reason and and I've had some trauma in my past also. So like whatever you know, I've had some trauma that I wouldn't identify as trauma. You know, mm-hmm. like just stuff that you know that I didn't if I hadn't had a therapist, I might have never identified it as traumatic mm-hmm. because it was mm-hmm. just what I knew and it was mm-hmm. normal to me. And but mm-hmm. those things created this need to protect and to, you know, constrict, which is why I have this uh, tightness in my pelvis. So. <laughs> you know, like those those that 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 story of being independent, you know, yeah. comes from 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 those from that need of defending and protecting and consequently not allowing and certainly not surrendering. And mm-hmm. then there's no safety. So everything, mm. everything does feel like a labor, you know? Yes, 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 yes. I ran, a, I was a presenter at the Wise Women Gathering near in, in Australia a few weeks ago and I ran a taster yoni mapping class. And <clears throat> first of all, it was a bit hectic because they uh, for whatever reason, they knew what I was doing, but maybe it didn't kind of, they didn't think about what I w- would require to have safety. And so they, I had a see-through tent in the middle of the thoroughfare. Mm-hmm. 
I said, uh, that's not going to work, really. Uh, we, I need to have something else because, mm-hmm. you know, there is an opportunity, not everyone, but there is an opportunity for people to do some hands-on practical work. So that will mean they will remove their clothes. So <clears throat> being in the see-through tent is not going to really, it's not going to make them feel safe. Mm-hmm. It's not about, it's not about in that instance, me feeling safe. It's about creating the safety for them. So I, we went and found something else and created a whole bunch of tarps and made it a nice safe area for the women. Mm-hmm. And during the process, and so I was doing lots of processes to get them to feel so that their bodies would feel safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having those mirror neurons from each other, if we, if the more of us that feel safe, the more of us will feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I, and I gave people a couple of, uh, self-selection times, mm-hmm. like where where they could, you know, decide this is not for me. I'm heading offices. I've, I've heard enough. So I've got my and so the people that stayed were really you know, committed and had courage. They were a little bit nervous about mm-hmm. what what would this look like. Most of them had not ever probably seen another woman's genitals, mm-hmm. let alone you know the opportunity to maybe touch them. That was you know that's there's some steps in there. Mm-hmm. So when as I work through and I we worked through every single piece with consent and with asking. And because a lot of the time we haven't had somebody ask us, can we? Touch right, you? right. And or have we ever invited someone? Mm-hmm. I would like you. Could you touch mine? Mm-hmm. And so in the process of, you know, giving, you know, of giving skills that looks, you know, from the outside looks like I'm, just kind of asking, but they're actually developing, you know, somatic skills mm-hmm. and new, new neurological pathways of I can ask and, you know, every lots of breathing, so how did that feel and what are you noticing? And the group, the women, it was palpable, the change that we'd gone from kind of nervous, excited to this sacred heart, mm-hmm. loving space and for both people as they, you know, you know, being honoured enough to be able to touch someone and being honoured enough to receive. Mm-hmm. You know, because like how often do we receive without any agenda, without right. any, without anybody wanting something? And in amongst the process I was listening to a conversation and this, I have permission to share, so this woman said, you know, I have very big, I have very big lips, she said, and I kind of looked over and, and I said to her, can I, you know, would you like some feedback on that? Would you like some help? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I said, you would have some of the tiniest lips I've ever seen. <laughs> really? But her perception was completely different. Somebody had said to her, somebody had said to her, you have big lips. And the lady who was, you know, holding space for her, she said, I don't think you have big lips either. Like, so uh, I would have said they were tiny. So her perception of her body had the opportunity to change. Yes. From you know, from you know, I have big lips to oh wow, maybe I just have tiny lips. Maybe mm-hmm. I said we don't get to see and then when somebody who are who are these people that tell us these things mm-hmm. that you that your whatever is whatever. What experience do they have? What do they know? What do and then you know, vulvas they look very different when they're relaxed to when they're aroused. Yes, they do. Very different. Color, the color is different. The, yeah. the, the plumpness is different. Yes. And, and they look yes. different pre-childbirth and post-childbirth because I remember yes. the coloring changing for me yes. after yes. having given birth. Yes, yes. So I encourage everyone to go home and play and look at the differences mm-hmm. and, and see and get to notice what color are they and how they're big or small, what happens when you know, to know at least 
you know, know ourselves. And then if you've got some friends that you are considered a sacred place with, mm-hmm. then and you know, men have, I think, I think, you know, often I find women know more about men's anatomy than they do their own anatomy. Oh, for sure. Well, and and so often, like women aren't encouraged to look. You know, yeah. even in the doctor's office, I re- I still remember the first time I asked for a mirror in the gynecologist's office. I was in my twenties, and she was looking. You know, the the speculums in there, and she's looking, and she says, "Oh, your cervix look n- looks nice and healthy," and I said, "I want to see it." And she, I mean, she had a mirror, and she says, "Nobody your age has ever asked that." <laughs> Well, I don't know what nice and healthy looks like. You know, I had at that point only seen, you know, a cervix in a book mm. or on mm-hmm. on a one of those plastic models that they have inside of yes. the doctor's office. But I had never yes. seen a live one, certainly mm. not my own. Yes. But, yes. you know, when I when I've worked with women and I've asked them, like, you know, have you looked? Why would I want to look mm. like I'm like, mm-hmm. I look at my pussy every day. I've looked three times today, actually, because because um, <laughs> I was feeling discomfort. So I'm always looking and I invite, you know, I share space with my, my daughter and my sister. Everybody in my house has been inside of this pussy that I'm like, especially there are things I can't see. You yes. know, even with a mirror, if the yes. light isn't right, yes. like I can't zoom yes. in on anything. So no. I'm like, can you look? Can you tell me what this is right here? And they're all like... <laughs> It's like a joke. It's it's an ongoing joke that my daughter's yes. like, how come everyone has to be in your vagina all the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is there is a place where our, our vulva and our yonis are sacred, totally sacred, mm-hmm. and I don't want to you know take that away. The other part is it's a piece of our body, like our elbow yep. or our knee, and mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't have. Any issue? If you couldn't see the back of your knee, you, or you you wouldn't have any pain. And someone, could you have a look here? Right. Could you tell me what's happening? What's 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 going on? I just you know, and we wouldn't necessarily think that was a sexual thing. Absolutely, we would we would just think they've got something on the back of the knee they can't see. Exactly. I mean, and even you know, there are certain parts of yourself that you wouldn't just invite anybody. You know, like there, you wouldn't just pull someone off the street. You so so there are degrees of it. You know, but but there should be a comfort. And I think that we should all have someone that we trust enough to reveal that part of ourselves to. I mean, even, you know, if you identify as a man, like you should have someone that, you know, in a personal setting, you know, of course, because even there are people that never get comfortable at the doctor. You know, they don't know you like that. You know, most doctors don't have a personal relationship with the patient. But we should all be able to ha- have somebody that we feel safe enough to say, like, can you can you look at this? Yeah. Like in, in a beautiful, perfect world. In yes. the meantime, there are women like you <laughs> who are creating safe spaces for women to be able to uh, unfold themselves in that way. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is beautiful. Like it just it opens when I looked around the room and because it had taken a little bit to get there with setting it up and having the. When I looked around the room and I just, my heart, my body was just totally expanded. I nearly had a tear in my eye and then I had to remember that I was facilitating and had to come back to <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> but for a moment I was, it was just the, this, the awe and the sense of this is women being sacred with women. There is yes. something 
so tangible and juicy and natural. Like it feels like when you know, some I know people hearing this will go, Oh, really? You all sat around and you, you know, you know touch each other's genitals, it sounds weird and, and it could sound weird. And mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen video footage on, on TV and I think, oh, is that what we look like? Um, it does look a bit weird when you're on the outside. When you're in mm-hmm. and when you're there and when it's your heart and when it's your body and when you've connected and you're relaxed, there is something so natural about it. There's Absolutely. some there's a natural that takes over. Absolutely. I am honored to even witness it third party. <laughs> <laughs> that is a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Well, I've got one more question for you. Okay. Um, and this one, this one is, is, is about you. How do you like okay. to be taken care of after sex? Like what's your favorite post-coital way to be nurtured? Um, well, I like to, I like to kind of bring it to a, a finish slowly. So I don't usually move either person quite as soon as somebody comes that's not really um well you know probably because you know I have I want to say 400 that's an exaggeration but I would probably have between you know 25 and 50 orgasms so mm-hmm. if I if I was to stop when I when I had my first orgasm it would be very mm-hmm. be very sad so I don't I like to continue and often energy is still running through mm-hmm. my body so I still like to be connected and Sometimes I like to just be be held mm-hmm. and and sometimes you know lightly touched and just to allow that expansiveness to go right through my body mm-hmm. and and sometimes it's just you know sitting and or laying in you know with grin from ear to ear yes with, <laughs> with, with the other person there's no words there's just the the blissfulness running through through each of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, slow, I suppose. Slow is what I like. I, it happens, but I don't necessarily like it when um, you know we have in Australia we have wombats mm-hmm. and they're a big, big, big furry, hairy creature, and they dig holes and they're out in the, in the wild. And so there's a kind of a saying, you know, if you're like a wombat, you eat, root, and leave. Um, <laughs> It happens, but it, my that is not how I like to be. I kind yeah. of like that slowness and that. And the continuing because I'm, you know, when does sex finish and when does it start? Mm-hmm. And does it have to have what if we were to play in a, you know, in that sensuality, in that, and it doesn't have to always be intense. Mm-hmm. And like, or sometimes it's intense and sometimes it's not intense and sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's, but playing in that, where am I right now? Exactly what you're talking about with your body, your you know being here and enjoying the apple. Mm-hmm. You know, and where where am I in time and space so that it's you know, it continues? Yes. Sometimes it's really really intense, and other times it's really subtle. Sometimes we're very close together. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're far away. But there's that that flow of connectedness and flow of sensuality. I mean, and, and that's not to say that I. You know, I'm a, I don't like very hard fast either. <laughs> yes, yes. Just, just, just to you know, I'm not, I'm not saying. I think the variety. Yeah, yeah. The key. I am, I am here for all of that. <laughs> I am here for all of that. Oh, you are just doing amazing work. I am so grateful. You know, um, Caitlin Grace. 
Yes, gave me your lovely. name. She's she's my fave. I I enjoy her so much, and I'm I'm so grateful that she did. I'm so grateful that we had a chance to connect. She said she said you're gonna love her. I already know. <laughs> That's because her pussy told her, right? Yes, because you know, pussy knows best. Period. Pussy knows. Best. Pussy knows best. True. This is true. fantastic. So so good. Well, thank you, Stacy. The Sensuality Project is produced, edited, and hosted by me. Music by bensound.com. The Sensuality Project podcast is a production of stacyherrera.com.